0: The Trader Cobb Crypto Show, talking business in blockchain.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Trader Cobb Crypto Show. Today's guest is from the world of real estate. It's Marco Santorelli, who is the founder of Narada Real Estate Investments and the host of the Passive Real Estate Investing Podcast. So thank you so much, Marco, for being on the show with us today.
0: Craig, it's my honor to be on and I'm looking forward to uh, this chat today.
1: Excellent. Well, let's just dive straight into it. I'd like to give you the floor, so to speak, to just let us know a little bit about your history and uh, where, why you've come to be where you are today.
0: Yeah. it's To give you a short history, uh, I'll just kind of compress time a little bit. Uh, I I love real estate, and I got involved with it when I was 18 years old. I bought my first rental because I could qualify for financing, fixed it up, leased it up, managed it, held it for a number of years. And it was a very successful endeavor, um, and the writing was on the wall. And so I continued going down that path on and on over the course of years um fast forward to 2003 for those listening and know the US market or are in the US market real estate was you know as they say on fire it was a really hot thing and a lot of people were jumping in in any way they could uh, most of them being speculators and it's something we could certainly talk about during your show here today but everybody thought they were a real estate investor so I got, back into real estate investing in a heavy way. And I, in one, in less than one year, probably nine months, I acquired 84 units, 84 doors of, of rental properties. So wow. I hit the ground running in 2004 and had investors coming to me asking for some help, coaching, mentoring, whatever the case is. Uh, and again, to make a long story short, that was when the light bulb moment went off. And I realized that I could help other people invest in real estate and create wealth and more importantly passive income which is what i really harp on a lot um by providing them vetted real estate investments like single family homes duplexes triplexes and fourplexes in different markets around the country because i was doing it for myself and all i just needed to do was scale it up so that's a very compressed answer to your question but you know it's it's that I knew from an early age that real estate was not only a great way to create wealth, true wealth, and passive income, but it's a great way to store wealth. So whether you make your money in the stock market or selling crypto or you know flipping properties, the question becomes, well, what do I do with those chunks of cash? And I like to say, take those chunks of cash and turn them into streams of cash.
1: Hmm. No, it's a really good way of putting it. I mean, passive income is ultimately uh... – Something you don't have to—you have to work for it, but it's it's in perpetuity. You, you get it for life, right? I mean, you, you said you should, you sort of got what eighty-seven properties or whatever it was in the, in the year two thousand and four. Now we fast-forward four years to two thousand and eight when we saw the GFC, and of course, property prices took an absolute beating. How did you weather that storm?
0: Yes, uh, that's that's an insightful question. So, um, I got a phone call in, in two thousand and six. We had a lot of clients that were in in what we call escrow. You know, they were. Uh, in in the uh, transaction and going to a close to to acquire these properties in different markets around the country, I got a call from one of the top uh, mortgage brokers that we were working with at the time, and he said, "Hey, so and so bank just pulled this particular loan product that doesn't exist anymore." And I go, "What? Are you kidding me? You know that that was really where we did a lot of our business." And so it was one bank after another, not all at the same time, but banks were kind of pulling back and. Removing programs or changing their terms and tightening up, and that's when I saw the writing on the wall. Now I I I got out of it fairly unscathed, but I recognized in 2006 that uh, you know we were heading into a very tight credit crunch, and so you had to start making decisions. Any properties that you held that weren't cash flow positive you have to get rid of first and foremost because it's all about cash flow cash flow I call the glue that holds your deal together if you don't have positive cash flow you can't weather a storm when you have a market that turns because if your property values are now heading south um in other words they're declining then uh you know the property may be worth less than what you owe on it uh that happened to a lot of people. So there were a lot of people who were speculating in buying real estate, thinking they were investing. But in actuality, they weren't investing. They were speculating. So they had no cash flow to maintain the debt service on the property. And um, what happened is they just started you know, um, losing money both in terms of out of their pocket and in the value of the property. And that's why people were upside down. So to your question, uh, I saw the writing on the wall in 2006. So I started liquidating a lot of my assets at that time and then just moving those gains into other temporary um, investments or locations. Uh, And that's really how I weathered it because I'll I'll be honest, all my properties weren't cash flow positive. I was also doing some speculative investments, mostly in Florida. But I did have a lot of properties that were cash flow positive and those you just hang on to. You don't need to get rid of those because the whole idea is that if you buy in the right location, if you buy in the right yeah. market, if you buy in the right neighborhood and you've got a good property that's cash flow positive, you don't care what the market does. I mean, you care, but you, you don't lose sleep at night because you know you're going to weather through every real estate cycle
1: well negative equity and negative cash flow is the perfect scenario for an absolute failure and collapse and one thing that uh, i want to sort of come back and touch on which which you pointed out uh, as the i suppose some of the writing on the wall back in 2006 pre GFC pre credit crunch pre credit squeeze pre pre you know armageddon of financial services um was the changes that banks were making the the restrictions of lending now uh to bring this back in look we have an audience on this podcast all over the world uh big audience in Australia US and UK and then it trickles down from there so in in Australia which is where i am uh, we have seen one of the most insane property bubbles well i won't call it a bubble most insane property increases, especially in the capital cities that we have, in, in history you know it's certainly in my history anyway now what's happened here is that we asked to see and we have seen risk lending restrictions starting in the self-managed super space which is I, I think the same sort of thing as your pension funds they were tightening up lending to that space they've been tightening up lending to uh, investors on these interest only uh Loans. Um, A lot has been tightening up in the banks. And um, as the market has stopped increasing, we've seen, you know, we we saw the lending restrictions come in first, and now we've seen declines of 10% and more uh, in local, when I say local, I mean Sydney and Melbourne property prices. So it's interesting to see that history repeats itself. Uh, It's, you know, we've we've been here before, and to learn off people that know what they're doing does definitely help. And the same thing can be said in the in the space in crypto at the moment, coming back to what you said about speculation Uh, in blockchain and crypto a lot of people are speculating on price movements now it's not going their way right now Uh, An investment is different to speculation. I do a bit of both. Uh, I am a trader and obviously you do in the property game. So I just wanted to sort of touch on those points because they're very relevant to where we are right now within the property cycle here in Australia and I do believe also in the UK and it also relates back to the stock market as well as we are seeing some, uh, we're kind of seeing the perfect storm at the moment for what could be a, a fairly decent pullback across property and uh, and the stock market. So in, with that being the case, I mean, how do you with a property portfolio ride through what could be another downturn? Is it purely focused on the cash flow side? As long as we're positive cash flow, we're good to go?
0: I something you're referring to specifically income real estate, like rental real estate.
1: Rental real estate, yeah, because I mean, they they can raise interest rates, right? So how much how much sort of leeway do you need to have? How much leeway do you need to have to make sure that okay, if interest rates rise as property prices fall, what's the buffer of cash flow positive that, that someone like you is looking for to hold on to those properties?
0: What I look at is what can I get for rent on a monthly basis? Okay, so let's let's take an example. I like to use round numbers. Let's just call it a thousand dollars per month in rent. And this is, this is true for many of the properties that we sell to clients in many of the markets that we're in. So I use this as an example quite often. So let's just say you're looking at a property and it rents for a thousand dollars a month. And what you want to see is a 1% ratio between that monthly rent and the purchase price, or, or let's call it the acquisition price or the market value. So, if that property is $100,000 to purchase and it rents for $1,000 a month, you do the math and that's 1%. We call that the rent to value ratio or RV ratio for short. That's ideally what I want to see. That is typically my market when I'm looking at properties in B, B plus and A minus neighborhoods. Now, if it's lower than that, it's okay as long as it's not that much lower. If it's below, let's say 0.8%, I, I just move on. I look at a different market or I, or maybe I'll stay in the same market, but I'll look at a different submarket or neighborhood within that market. If I really like that particular market. But the key here is it's a litmus test. It's just a quick way to take a snapshot of that property and see if it makes sense. If it's above 1%, that's fantastic. Cause sometimes you can get 1.1, 1.2, the higher, the better, the higher that number, the, the larger your net cash flow or your annual cash flow will be on that property. And therefore you're higher, your capital capitalization rate and your higher cash on cash returns if you're using leverage. So that is my qualifier and my litmus test. Now I'll just quickly say where a lot of investors made a mistake is they started buying in markets. And I, I don't mean to pick on Sydney where you're located, but you know, you have <laughs>
1: fine go for it. Well, you,
0: you know, you have a median price, Uh, over $800,000. And that's just insane. I mean, you're, you're you're one of the most expensive markets in the world. You know, you're up there with San Francisco and many other countries uh, or cities. But think about that. If you go out in Sydney and buy an $800,000 home, I'm guessing, I don't know your market, but I'm going to purely guess, and maybe, you know, the answer to this question, but I'm going to guess that you probably would only be able to rent that for about $3,500 a month, somewhere in that neighborhood.
1: Look, not even that, not even close to that. If you're going to be spending eight hundred thousand dollars on a property, you're either in a little tiny apartment or you're in a house way, way, way out. Your yield is absolutely shocking.
0: Yeah, you, you you almost have no yield on that. It's in fact, you probably have a negative cash flow if if you don't have good terms on the financing. But mm-hmm. you know, again, you do you do that math, and you're you're at about a point three. To maybe, if you're lucky, a 0.4% RV or rent-to-value ratio. If you bought that $100,000 home in Sydney, ideally you'd want it to rent for $8,000 a month. Yeah. Uh, that's not likely to happen. No. So you look, you look, you look elsewhere. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know if I fully answered your question, but essentially I look for the markets, the neighborhoods, and then the properties that make sense in that order. I make sure that I have a good rate of return and cash flow. Um, And that's how you weather, you know, weather through, you know, economic cycles and and real estate cycles that are local, not national in scope, Um, because market price, the prices of properties will fluctuate for different reasons at different times. And if it fluctuates, but you're still cash flow positive, then it really shouldn't bother you. You're you're just going to time the market by taking the pulse of that market once a year, every year over time and just see what's changing in terms of supply, demand. Uh, migration, job growth, and uh, and then you know you're a technical trader. You look at charts. I look at charts too, but I look at charts for real estate, and I can see what the change is year over year in terms of price appreciation, and if it's slowing down, maybe we're nearing a top. And you know, I the beautiful thing about real estate is it moves slowly, whereas cryptocurrencies and stocks are very volatile. They move. Rapidly on a minute by minute and day by day basis, and so there's you know a lot of difference, but the, the, the technical aspect can be certainly applied to real estate.
1: Yeah, and it's I guess the main the bottom line is that um, like with everybody, I mean, a trading terminology is uh, plan your trade and trade your plan. You've got to have a you've got to have a reason for doing things. You've got to have a systematic approach. And you know, It sounds to me like you know we are from different uh, asset classes. I've I've uh, had. I've still got a company that, that uh, does lending for property developers and whatnot. But from my point of view, uh, it, uh, real estate is a, as you say, it's a, you know, if you can make a chunk here, then real estate, if you buy well, if you buy smart, if you're not rushed, which is typically the, the right response to any investment, don't rush, don't FOMO, don't fear of miss out. Just take your time, have a strategy, have a structure. And when you've got the money, it's good to diversify portfolio. Now, you, the way you're speaking, it's very similar to the way that I speak using different terminology. The plan is there. The, uh, the history of success is there. And, um, I mean, is there anything you're sort of doing at the moment? Like, you know, as I said, with that perfect storm of stocks starting to come off, crypto is getting absolutely hammered right now. Uh, if you're not a trader, then it's, it's a very very difficult time in stock markets and in crypto markets, if you don't know how to make money, if the market falls with, um, with property markets, it is a bullish only cycle type market. If you're a speculator, is there anything that you're doing to prepare yourself for any eventualities that you can see in your, uh, in your region? Because your region does sort of have a knock on effect globally.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm involved in many different asset classes, but real estate is by far my favorite. And so, to answer your question, what I'm doing right now is I'm being a little more selective. We, as a company, have had to expand our offerings across about 21, 22 different markets. In an ideal world, I'd like to only be in six. In like three, property markets? Like property markets? Or yeah, a... property markets. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But in, a, in an ideal world, and this is how it used to be like 10 years ago, I'd have about three what I call cash flow markets, uh, stronger cash flow, and then three more growth-oriented markets that had stronger appreciation potential, and then our clients, you know, pick and choose between those markets depending on what they wanted their risk tolerance and all that kind of stuff today i've had to expand about 22 different markets just to have the inventory because inventory in the united states is very tight we have a shortage in housing which is a good thing for you as a property investor um, when you have the supply low and demand stacked in your favor so the criteria doesn't change what changes are the markets and and the the sub markets the neighborhoods we look into go after the yield that we want so we can still invest very successfully and still have the leverage that comes with real estate. Still have the tax benefits that come with real estate, regardless of where you live. Um, you still have all those favorable benefits, uh, including equity growth and appreciation. You just have to change where you look the market. And that you know that's one of the things we do for our clients. So how I'm preparing is basically this: I'm being a little more careful and a little more selective in where I invest. I still underwrite my own deals, and I you know we help underwrite deals for other investors, but I don't lose sight, and you shouldn't lose sight of why you're investing in the first place. You want that cash flow. You want that growth potential, so that appreciation potential. You want the stability of it being a hard asset, which protects your dollars or your your capital against inflation. And we all live in an inflationary environment. It's just the way of the world um, and provides cash flow, whereas gold and silver and other commodities like that do not provide those benefits.
1: That's fantastic to know. I mean, it's it's a it's a pretty wise bit of uh, information there, crossing not just property but in other markets as well. Now, Marco, what I'd love to do is uh, speaking of looking in the right places, where do people find out more information about you, mate? So we
0: have two websites. One is our podcast, which is appropriately titled Passive Real Estate Investing so the Website, PassiveRealEstateInvesting dot Our home, if you will, our main website is uh, where we have all our properties that are you know displayed every day, and oh. Our- ADA real estate.com, so real estate.com. So, all our contact information is on there, and we have a team of investment counselors and transaction coordinators to help. And we don't charge for our services. I don't know if I normally don't mention that, but I take it for granted that we don't actually charge for our services uh, because we operate as a brokerage and we're only compensated on the backside. And at the end of the day, you know, we're compensated just the same on the sales side.
1: Nice. I, I think that's a great option, and uh, I commend you for that, helping people out, giving them an education, and pointing them in the right direction. And, you know, Getting it from the other side. So that's fantastic. Michael. it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. A lot of what you've said resonates with myself, resonates with the audience, no matter where they are in the world, and especially in this trying time at the moment in the crypto market. We always need to be diversified, guys, because if you're all in on one asset class and that asset class doesn't deliver, then it can be a very painful time. Diversification helps us to get through those times. It opens us to new opportunities, and it's just a smart thing to do. So uh, please do go and check out Marco and what he's doing. Thanks so much for being on the show, Marco. I really appreciate your time, mate. And I look forward to speaking to you again in the future. All the best. Thank you, Craig. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a fantastic day. Bye for now.
0: The Trader Cob Crypto Podcast is hosted by Craig Cobb. All Trader Cob courses, products, and tools can be found at TraderCobb.com because experience
1: matters.